Today I'm here with Dylan Willick, and it's great to have the chance to speak with you, Dylan. Thanks for joining me. Hey, how's it going, Leslie? Great. Um, Dylan is, uh, just to give everyone watching a little bit of your background, uh, you're 20 years old and, and a junior at, at Carleton College, and you are an expert skier, and uh, were, were, you were sorry, a competitive mountain bike racer, cross-country racer, in high school, and I know you had some serious injuries where you dislocated your shoulder on a couple of occasions and broke your tailbone. So I'll be interested to hear more about those experiences and, and how you managed to get through them. Um, thanks again for taking the time to chat. Yeah, of course, it's a pleasure. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about your background in, in skiing and in mountain bike racing. So I've been skiing since I was about two years old. Um, my parents got me out on the hills very early age. Um, I started ski racing at the age of six and I continued that through the age of 10 or 11. Um, after that, they wanted too many hours of my day. And so I moved to the sort of the free ride skiing scene. I did that for maybe two or three years. Um, and I competed just in some in-house competitions at Alta. Uh, I did well in those until a younger kid did better than me. Um, uh, and then since the age of about 14, I've just been skiing on my own time. Um, and as of this winter, I've been doing a lot more backcountry skiing, um, partially uh, Due to necessity because the ski resorts were all closed um right. and so i've been as as part of the venture into backcountry skiing i'm like tiptoeing near that ski mountaineering line and that's kind of get, had me really excited recently is the prospect of sort of doing some ski mountaineering and some real mountaineering and you know getting further afield and skiing cooler gnarlier lines yeah um, and so would you say, given uh, your your background in, in skiing, backcountry skiing, and also mountain bike racing, that you have, um, that you like risk or, or that you? Well, I mean, I was certainly raised to be risk averse and, you know, to assess risk carefully before taking it. Uh, that said, I think the the teenage and young adult psyche has maybe uh, caught up with me a little bit. And so I definitely take, take some risks that maybe don't need to be taken, but you know, every time I come out, okay, I'm like, well, that was fun. And so I do it again. And I definitely, I definitely have an affection for that sort of, maybe that like high speed, but just being like, just a little bit scared, you know, like, yeah. and then, you know, when you get to the, um, when you get to the bottom or whatever, and the, the uh, risk goes away and you're still left with that adrenaline rush, it's definitely a little bit addictive. And yeah. so I, maybe, maybe thrill seeking is the right word. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's an element where, you know, you feel like you take a, a bit of a risk, but then w when you're successful, then then it sort of encourages reward, you. To, right? Yeah. It's a reward, yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, maybe you can talk a little bit about your background, how you got into competitive cross-country mountain bike racing. Yeah, for sure. So I started mountain biking um, my freshman year of high school because sort of the high school mountain biking league was just coming onto the scene and uh, myself and three friends sort of decided, yeah, we're all going to do this. And so we all, you know, we got bikes if we didn't already have them and we, you know, started riding just about every day. And for anyone who's ever like mountain biked before, you get your ass kicked for the first, you know, month of riding. You're like, it's so steep. It's so hard. You know, I'm like doing a lot of walking. Like it's just, but it really like it I don't know it pushes you and there's also like this developmental curve for mountain biking that I found at least because unlike skiing like I don't remember learning how to ski I just as far as, the, as I remember I've always known how to ski and I've always been like a good skier yeah um, but with mountain biking it was just like every ride I was like so much better than the last ride and so you're just like again, it's like kind of addictive because you're just like this, it's this constant improvement and like, oh, I did that a little bit faster this time. You know, I, I felt smoother here. And so, you know, like after a summer, I was like, after the first sort of summer of riding, like almost every day, I was pretty good. And I finished, you know, my freshman year after riding for at, at most nine months um I was you know I finished third overall after five races for this sort of the the NICA league which is the high school league um and so you just sort of keep seeking that and so I had this very like quick development and then um you know sophomore year was pretty similar and then junior year I sort of I had like a sort of a block mentally where I just didn't want to be riding as much and I like got in my head a lot so I didn't really compete as a high school junior yeah and then as a high school senior I was like okay I want to compete again like I want to be riding but I just lost so much fitness so quickly like the, you know the the technical skills were still there but I you know I couldn't keep up with my friends because I was just like I was too weak I just didn't have the the muscle mass or the cardio yeah, to do sure, it. Um, sure. And so that was like demoralizing. And then, so after I had finished competing in high school, so high school season is in the fall, um, you know, the winter comes and goes. And then I was, I was out biking with a friend and I dislocated my shoulder, you know, a hundred yards from the trailhead doing something stupid. And in that injury, I also broke my tailbone and, um, yeah, thought I shit my pants. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I could imagine how how you might think that, uh, given the severity of your injury. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what happened, how you broke your tailbone and dislocated your shoulder. Yeah, so I was riding um, Little Cotton Macquarie Trail. I'd done all the technical parts because the you know the upper part is is technical and rocky, and I you know ridden those confidently because I you know it's not a it was not a new trail to me right I'd ridden this many times before you know I know how to ride it right um and so I was just I was playing around because I'd been at the time I'd been working on my uh my manuals just as like a as a skill as like a little 
show off trick kind of thing. When, when you say your manuals, maybe you can describe what you mean. Yeah, so manualing is just where you're, it's like a wheelie, but you're not pedaling. So you're just on the back wheel coasting. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I mean, it's, a, it's effectively a balanced trick. Um, as like a riding skill, it has some uses, but they're sort of limited. Like for most riding, you you never need to use it. Yeah. But it's like, it's a fun thing to do. And a lot of my friends had learned how to do it. And so I wanted to do it. And so I was, you know, I was working on that at the end of the trail and, you know, where it's, you know, just little tiny little rollers and, you know, relatively smooth, wide trail. Um, And I hit a rock with my back wheel and bike went up. I went down and I landed very firmly on my butt and my back. And the first, like the first thing I noticed was like, like it literally felt like there was a lump in my, in my bibs. Cause I was just like, uh, and I was immediately like, oh my God, I like, I shit my pants. I was like, okay. I mean, often people like, you know, get scared or have a shock or whatever. And they like say, oh, like I shit my pants. But I was like, oh my God, I actually shit my pants. Um, and so I sort of like, I shouldn't laugh, but. Oh, it's funny. It, it's, it's funny. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> funny. Um, and so I was like, you know, I was like, and so there's, at least for me, there's always a moment right after a crash where you sort of pop up and you're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then you're like, oh my God, there's no blood in my head. I need to lie down. Like, like, and then the world starts spinning and then the pain hits because the adrenaline's worn off and and so I like lay down and I'm like, wow, my, you know, my shoulder really hurts also. Cause at this point I'm like, well, there's shit in my pants anyways. Like it can't get any worse, can it? Um, and so I start like feeling my shoulder and I'm like, where's my arm? Like there, you know, there's still skin there, but there's like no mass behind it. And I'm just like digging in and I'm like feeling my arm and it just feels loose. And I, you know, I was not like, prepared to uh I wasn't expecting my shoulder to come out so right like I really recognized it and so in the course of the you know the 100 yard but 20 minute walk to the car and then the 15 minute but that felt like you know four hour drive to my house and then the another 15 minute drive to the, the hospital I was like oh yeah my shoulder's dislocated there was, there was some screaming along the way also, of course, because um, yeah. it's so incredibly you painful. You weren't really sure kind of what you knew. Obviously, something had happened, but you weren't really yeah. sure what had happened to your shoulder. Is that right? Yeah, because I, I mean, I wasn't like looking for, I mean, in hindsight, it was like very obviously dislocated. I mean, I could feel like, I could feel the, the you know, the the head of the, radius ulna humerus. I could feel like the head of the humerus, you know, like right here, right? Like, I, so like in hindsight, it was like, oh yeah, of course this is what happened, but I wasn't looking for it. And even though I'm, you know, might have a little better anatomical and medical background just because my dad is a sports medicine doctor, I, you know, it went over my head. Yeah, sure. Until I was in the car and like, oh, like, yeah, like the the 
fall of the shoulders out of the socket and then I put two and two together. Um, so I was, it was, the shoulder was out for about an hour. Um, and I have, you know, I got to the hospital and I, I had good triage thankfully cause my dad was working that night. Um, and they're like, we want to take x-rays before we put it back in. And I'm like, no, put it back in. But they took x-rays anyways. Uh, <laughs> well, so, and I'm curious, what was, how would you describe the pain that you were in? I've always said it's an eight. Uh-huh. Um, so it was extremely intense. Yeah, it's like, it's like when you stub your toe really badly, but if that lasted for hours. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and your spot, like, did you know that you had broken your tailbone at that time or? Well, or I mean, I never got my tailbone x-rayed because again, like there's just, you don't really do anything for a broken tailbone. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's actually broken or if it's just significantly bruised or whatever. Um, but when I realized that I hadn't actually shit my pants, I was like, oh, well maybe my, I broke my tailbone or something and it, there's a lot of swelling there. And that's why I thought I shit my pants. Um, yeah, thankfully there was no actual pants shitting, but there was a, there was a real scare. It was a real yeah. scare. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it was just like, by the time I was like getting to the hospital, I didn't even notice the tailbone anymore. Like the tailbone was like the first thing I noticed. Right. And then it was like, everything was coming from here. Like, I don't even know if I could feel my feet because there was just so much like input from my shoulder that I was like, I mean, it was, it was, it was really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so, and, and then you get to the hospital and they take the x-ray despite the fact that you are screaming and hollering. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then do you recall what happened after that? Yeah. So then um, they put it back in it took two people to get it back in. Um, and there's, there is this, there's this immediate relief where you're like, Oh my God, I'm like free again. Like everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And then that lasts for like a few minutes. And then you realize the pain is still like a five or so. And then you're still in a lot of pain and you're like, right. right. Um, and it's very deep and sort of disconcerting because you're like, my arm was like, fallen off and now it's back but it doesn't it doesn't it's very like you know it's a little it's an unnerving injury right it's not I mean compared to breaking a bone oh I would break a bone any day yeah <laughs> uh, to not do that yeah and and um, so go on sorry yeah I mean it's just like it's weird right because you you have like you literally, I mean, when you're like, when it's, when it's out of the socket, you have, I mean, no control over the arm whatsoever. I mean, you can sort of like, like shrug it around, but really what you're doing is you're moving, you know, your, your upper body and your arms kind of following along. Right. And like, you can kind of like wiggle your fingers a little bit, but even that hurts. Yeah. Um, yeah there, there's a lot of sort of, pain sensations flooding 
the body, I guess, and 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 yeah. also kind of what you allude to, where you feel like your arm is just dead weight hanging off the side of your your body, right? And then there's yeah. some relief from what you were describing based on when it goes back in, but then the pain quickly returns. Yeah, and I mean it's not to the same extent or anything, but it's still right. like painful. Um, right. Yeah. You know. So, um, you know, and you 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 know, you get the x-ray, but, but I'm guessing by that point, you, did you have some sense prior to the x-ray that it was dislocated or did you feel that the x-ray was unnecessary? Um, so they, I mean, yeah, when I got to the hospital, I had at that point, like realized, yeah, my shoulder's out. And of course, because my dad was working in the hospital, we had called ahead and so they they knew the shoulder was out and so they quickly confirmed that the shoulder was out because i think if you know what you're doing um uh it's pretty obvious when the shoulder's like really out that it's out yeah so they wanted the x-rays more to see if there was like fracturing of the um of the hill sacks i think uh-huh. and then um like if there was, if they could like determine anything about like the ligament structure. And so I ended up getting an MRI also afterwards. Yeah. And the MRI was what really indicated that I needed surgery to sort of repair it. Cause um, the surgeon was like, you could not get this repaired and you would, you know, you would recover and you'd feel like you could do everything, but there's like a, you know, a 90 plus percent chance that you're going to re-dislocate. Right, right. So once it comes out, and and I imagine it was out quite substantially. Yeah. That um, there's such a high risk of re-dislocation that the surgeon was saying that, you know, surgery yeah. was your best option. Yeah, and especially I think in younger people, um, just like the tendons and ligaments have a tendency to like get looser, and so that the risk for you know repeat dislocations is higher. Right. And I mean, of course, you hear stories about the guy with the bad shoulder who every time he falls, it comes out, but he just pops it back in and it's no big deal because like, I, I, I can't imagine, but, right. but so, like, there's no yeah. people who have that experience and I'm like, right. oh God. Yeah. And sort of like, no, it, it is a big deal if it's anything like what I just experienced and no, no thanks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, please never again. Right. So how long, like you got the MRI, that was when you're at the hospital or is that a day? That was, uh, that was after by some amount of time. I think I, I ended up getting surgery probably about a month after. Actually, the surgery was probably, you know, not more than a few days ago, two years ago today. Uh-huh. So like, um, and the surgery was probably three weeks to a month after the injury. Right. Okay. And so part, of, part of the reason for uh, doing the surgery so close um, was just to like limit recovery time. Because if you do the surgery after you fully recover, then you have to fully recover again. Yeah. Whereas I was still, you know, I didn't need the sling four weeks after. And, but like, I definitely wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't riding yet. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like throwing a baseball or anything. So yeah. I was still, you say, 
when you say you didn't need the sling four weeks after, was that after your dislocation or after your surgery? Uh, both, but surgery, they'd want you to keep it in there for longer. But like, yeah, after, I mean, after dislocation, you can, you sort of start to feel normal again after, you know, a week, but you're still really careful with it. Or I was at least. Right. So like once, once you had the sense that it was dislocated and you're sort of leaving the hospital uh, at that point, I guess you still don't know quite yet that you need surgery after you left the hospital. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so, no, definitely not. Do you recall, I mean, I guess it was a couple of years ago, but do you recall some of the things that were going through your mind at the time after you, you left the hospital sort of, um, I imagine there was still pain at that point, or maybe you can yeah, describe what you experienced. Definitely, definitely still in pain. Definitely didn't sleep well that night. Um, but yeah, no, I was absolutely, I was totally in my head. Like, am I ever going to be able to ride again? Am I ever going to be able to ski again? And am, am I going to need surgery? Is this like, am I going to have just a bum arm? Like, oh, and not to mention it was my right arm and I'm right-handed and I have school tomorrow. What am I going to do? Like, I can't write. Like my hand still feels like fuzzy. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like all of that was there and I was very like, I don't want surgery. I like, you know, I'm 19 or I, what was I? I guess I was 17 at the time. I'm 17. I'm supposed to be like in my prime. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So um, you had a lot of worries or apprehension, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and then when, when you sort of got the MRI and, and or the doctor kind of indicated that surgery was your best option, did that alleviate any worry or did that intensify it? So the statistic that like there's a 90% chance you will have a repeat dislocation definitely I was like okay yeah surgery when can we do it as soon as possible I don't want to recover twice yeah. you know I'm gonna be in pain let's just make it short um yeah and so was it was this sort of belief then that uh the surgery then would would alleviate the problem and and or yeah like, what information were you given about the surgery and, and the I mean I was I mean, I was given like success rates of the surgery. I was given, you know, I was told what they were going to do. Um, you know, I, I, I did not feel underinformed about the surgery at all. Um, right. I, you know, I, I went under feeling confident, right? Like I was like, this is going to suck, but this is going to make it better long term. Yeah. So you, you felt like you said you did not feel underinformed. So yeah. would you say you felt like you got, maybe you can describe some of the information that you got, if you recall, or, or what I mean, the information yeah, I don't, was like, like, I don't recall, like, super technically, but um, the doc was like, we're going to put in, you know, we're going to put in three holes, uh, one in the front, two in the back. We're gonna look in one of the holes with a little camera and then we're gonna pick around with the other two. And what we're gonna do is see this tendon that's like in the MRI that's like fraying and torn. We're gonna, you know, stitch that back together, tighten everything up. Um, Was that helpful getting that information? 
I mean, yeah, like definitely like, I guess it sort of made sense to me. Like, and I guess if you, if you told me to guess what they did in a, you know, shoulder repair like that, I would, I would guess, you know, oh, they like tighten things up. Right. right, right. Worry about your shoulder coming out, put it on a shorter leash, essentially. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I guess it, none of that came as like a huge surprise to me, but it was also like, I felt like I had good details, you know? Yeah. Right. So getting those details, would you say was reassuring or? Yeah. I mean, it made the process seem simple, right? They, you right. know, it, it didn't sound like, it sounded like they knew what they were going to find when they opened me up and it sounded yeah. like they knew how to fix what they were going to find. Right. And so I didn't, I didn't think there was going to be any guesswork. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as I know, there wasn't right. Obviously so the, really present for the surgery. Sure. Sure. So, but the fact that um, they were conveying information with confidence or a certain degree of certainty Sounds like that imbued or instilled yeah. some confidence in you that, as you said, it wasn't just guesswork, but they knew mm -hmm. what they would likely find, how to fix it. Yeah. And, you know, they, they showed me the MRIs and they showed me the x-rays and they were like, uh, you know, this, this crack on the x-ray, that's like a minor fracture of the, you know, the ball of the shoulder. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Like when it goes back in, cause they're like, and they, they showed me how um, it wasn't there before the shoulder got put back in and it was there after. So it's like putting it back in actually fractured the, the hill sacks. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I don't know. They, they used the information they had. They like showed me what was going on. And, you know, it wasn't like I felt like, oh, I could go in and do the surgery myself. Sure. Of course. <laughs> but I knew what they were looking at. I knew where they were looking on my body, you know, I knew like, okay, they're going to tighten up this thing that's in the back here and they're making yeah. two holes and they will watch. And were, so, you know. Were those visuals helpful? Like you said that they were. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like seeing MRIs and CAT scans and like, you know, medical imagery is kind of cool. So seeing it on yourself is also kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it also like, I think it demystifies it some, right? right. Because, you know, I think it, it can be easy to view the inside of your body as like this black box where you just put things in and it does things and you're not exactly sure how it does it. But um, definitely they were like, yeah, I mean, you can see this here and this here, you know, and you can see how this is, you know, this tendon is like pulling the shoulder you know, back and into the socket. Um, and you can see like, and I think actually there was a, a, you know, like a little 3D model of a shoulder in the surgeon's office. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, pointing on that and then showing my MRI, he's like, so this is, you know, this tendon here on the 3D model that's what we're looking at here and you can see how on the 3d model it's like a solid piece yeah. and on the mri yours is like 30 pieces and it's like right completely shattered yeah it sounds yeah. like the process 
of putting your shoulder back in was quite disruptive. You said it took two people uh, to get your shoulder back in. Yeah. Uh, so I, Go ahead. Yeah. So my dad like held me back to a chair and the other, uh, the other um, attending doc, you know, they just, they yank your arm forward because it turns out it doesn't just like go in normal. It goes in, in the front essentially is from what I can tell. Right. So they're like pulling it forward and up and, yeah. and that really hurts. You know, you're, they're putting it back in and you're like, you're taking it further away. Yeah. Yeah. And then it like clunks back in and you're like, <sighs> right. I, yeah, I had a similar experience <laughs> dislocated my shoulder in wrestling and I know it can be excruciating and a bit of an out of body experience yeah. and, and sort of when they, I think I had laughing gas at the time, but when they put the shoulder back in, it's, uh, it's just an odd sort of sensation to feel like someone's tugging on something and, you know, mm -hmm. and putting it back into place. Uh, um, I still get a bit squeamish when, when I think about it. Yeah, I don't um, but I, I like how you use that word demystify Dylan. And um, I'm wondering if, you know, it sounds like you got good information and good visu visuals, I guess, comparing what had happened to your shoulder to these 3d mm -hmm. models. And I'm wondering if, if that helped you, if understanding the mechanism of your injury in some way helped you with your rehabilitation or your, your post-surgery recovery? Yeah, I mean, so post-surgery recovery, the first, God, I think, I think they didn't want me doing any PT until six weeks out, mm -hmm. which from about three weeks, to six weeks that gets real frustrating or like the pt they do want you doing is like they want you like squeezing a ball or something right, right. they want you like out of the sling for 10 minutes a day and it's like you know it's just so that because at about three weeks you're starting to feel good again you don't have constant you know post-surgical pain um and like Three weeks out, I was like, oh, you know, my arm feels good. Like, I not, I'm not going back here, but like, you know, in here, yeah, right. I feel like I feel good. I don't feel like I need to be in the sling. Like, you know, I like being able to pick up a pen in my right hand and like write with it. Yeah. That's a nice, that's a nice tool. Um, yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, like, I'm good to go. Like, tell me, like, tell me what I should be doing. And they're like, and then there's like, you know, three to six weeks, because before three weeks, you're just, you hurt, and you don't have, like, really the strength or the, you know, the comfort level to move it that much, you know, you start maybe two to three weeks, you start to want to be out of the sling a little more, and whatever, um, and, you know, so, like, but by th the third week, when you're starting to feel good, then you said it gets yeah. harder and more frustrating at that time. More point. frustrating. Yeah. And then you get to six weeks and they start you on things and you're like, this is so easy. Yeah. And like, I was, I was lucky that my physical therapist sort of did recognize that like I, I was healing quickly and, um, you know, we did advance fairly quickly, which is always satisfying, but it's still like, 
oh, I feel like I could, you know, ride my bike because riding your bike, you know, is in this position. That's like a safe position. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the risk reward is not in your favor, right? So you're not riding and you're just sort of, definitely you feel stuck. Like it's, I mean, being injured sucks always, but especially when it's long-term, uh, you know, it, it can be really, it can be tough. Yeah. So, so what are, what would you say are some of the difficult things about a long-term injury? Um, mostly that like everything you do kind of matters. So like, for example, if I fall on my bike and I, you know, scrape up my knee or whatever, maybe I won't ride the next day just cause like my knee hurts to move a little bit. Cause there's, you know, scraping, but if I did ride, it wouldn't really matter. I would have, you know, scarring for a little longer or something like that, yeah. but I don't, yeah. like, I don't care. It's my knee, like whatever. Yeah. Um, whereas if you mess up the, you know, the, the repair, right. I mean, as it is, you know, they, you know, as it is like going into surgery, they're like, you might make a full recovery and you might at some point feel like your shoulders at like a hundred percent, but likelihood is you're always going to feel like the shoulder is maybe, you know, 90, 95%. Um, and so like, you're like, okay, well, I want, I want a hundred percent. Right. Cause yeah. I like, you know, I like doing things and it's my dominant arm. So, yeah. So did they give you a rationale for kind of like why they were holding you back at times? Like you said, well, at three weeks, hey, I'm feeling good here. But did you get information to indicate, well, here's why we don't want you doing those things? Or what was the communication you got at that point? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I think it had to do with sort of the repair healing into the, you know, and sort of becoming one with the the like I think is ligament or tendon or whatever that they were actually repairing right yeah, yeah. and so they wanted I mean essentially like it's like letting glue set right yeah you start yanking on the glue too early it didn't work yeah um that's a good analogy yeah although I don't think they used glue but right uh, yeah yeah I think you know they they just want to make sure everything's super solid yeah before you start you know putting any strain on it. Sure, sure. And and so, you know, again, kind of coming back to your point that just a long recovery is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the, you know, your inability to do things that you want to do? Like you said, you ha- the shoulder injury happened to your dominant arm. So it sounds like it restricted, of course, your day, day-to-day activities. Yeah. So this is actually maybe, uh, this is, so three days after the surgery, maybe, or four days after the surgery, uh, I was scheduled to take um, an IB diploma test for, you know, like, I mean, I, I didn't have to have to take it. Like, I would have graduated regardless, but, yeah. it, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I took this class kind of to take this test, right? Yeah. And so... I go into the test and I have like my ice box that has like a full shoulder wrap and I'm like, 
you know, like I am pumped up on whatever they gave me, like uh, probably some variant of morphine or whatever. Yeah. And so like, I'm a little loopy and I'm trying to do this math test and I'm in a sling. So I'm like, I'm in like a high chair, like I'm in like a baby high chair. And I'm like, you know, cause all I can do at this point, cause they give you a nerve block for post-surgery. So you don't hurt, um, which works great, but then your hand doesn't work for a while. Um, so I'm like trying to write and I ended up doing well on the test. Um, yeah. but, well, there, there you go. A testament to your, your intelligence. Yeah. Um, don't, don't do that to my ego. It doesn't <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a similar experience too, actually. I, I just, I remember when I was in university, dislocating my shoulder and up all night and sort of similar to the pain you're describing and then going to the distance education office and taking and asking if I could just wait another day or two to take the test. And they said, well, no, this is your, your chance, take it or not. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to take it. And uh, yeah. I, I don't recall how I did on the test, but I remember thinking, well, you know, we'll see how this goes, but uh, yeah, it wasn't fun. I, I do recall that because, as you say, you can't even really write. And uh, yeah. so, yeah. Um, so, in terms of like, again, sort of just um, having disruption to your your functional capabilities, are were there other kind of um, maybe thought thoughts or emotions that that you experienced in relation to? your injury or your recovery over time? Um, I mean, definitely like one of the things that was hard for me is uh, PT being like, you know, maybe I think I was going twice a week at the beginning and then once a week for a while after um, until I like left for college the, after this following summer. Um, but like, I have a hard time doing like, like, it's like they give you homework in PT, right? They tell you, you got to do this many reps, this many times a day, this many days a week. And doing it definitely helps. I mean, it makes like, it makes a huge difference. You definitely feel yourself getting stronger. Like it's like absolutely the right thing to do. But for me having the diligence and like regimenting myself to do it, um, was like was difficult um for me why why i think it has to do with like my attention span i just forget and then i and then i'm in bed and i remember but i'm in bed so i'm like i'm not getting up to do that right right because it's you know late and i want to go to bed or whatever and so like this is like that i mean that's that's maybe personal to me more than general just because like that kind of thing is hard for me don't forget to brush my teeth been doing that for 20 years I still forget like <laughs> yeah I mean I so like <laughs> I mean in terms of the challenge maybe some of it was just sheer remembrance to, to actually engage in in what you were being told or suggested yeah. to do um were like assuming you were able to bring yourself or to remind yourself to do it were the exercises themselves hard to get through or tedious in some way or not? No, I mean, I mean, they expected you to do like a 10 to 15 minute sort of circuit of exercises three times a day. Right. I mean, yeah. the time commitment was like negligible. Right. Like, you know, you could do it just 
anytime you got home, you would just do it. And like, you know, that pretty much gets you there. Or like yeah. after a meal, you just do it. And it's like, cause it really, it takes very little time. Um, at least my PT was, you know, I could do it quickly. It didn't hurt to do, yeah. um, you know, left me feeling like a little bit sore, but like kind of a good sore. Yeah. Were, uh, were, there, were there things you felt like you were, obviously you were limited in what you could do, but did you feel like you were missing out on certain things or? I mean, absolutely. Right. Like I got injured at the beginning of the bike season and then I couldn't bike for most of the bike season. Right. And it was like, I mean, this is, you know, terrible. Like this sucks. Yeah. I want to be out with my friends riding. I want to, you know, but it's just not happening. Right. So did did you have it. expectations, Dylan, for sort of how long it would take to recover or get? Yeah. I mean, they, they told me like absolutely no biking for three months. So I think I started getting on the trainer at about two months. And they told me definitely like no hard mountain biking for six months. So I started mountain biking again in about four months. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, obviously like I made those decisions sort of well-informed because, you know, my dad was sort of helping me through it and he knew what was going on and he knew the recovery process and he knew how I was improving. And so it so- sort of, it was maybe a little bit aggressive, but it also kept me sane. So, yeah. so you said you came back to more competitive racing at four months after your operation or? Well, I wasn't racing or anything at that point, but okay. uh, I was just, um, you know, I was going on longer, harder rides with friends and right, sort of right. starting to rebuild strength and cardio for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess going back to your earlier point about the rehab exercises and sometimes it sounds like you said you forgot to do them. I'm wondering how you managed to get back sooner or than the six month time frame. Well, I, I did do the exercises. It was just okay. hard because I forget that kind of thing. Got it. Got it. Uh, like I, I did, I, you know, I did do them almost, you know, very close to as much as recommended. And right. I also think, maybe just you know youth was a bit of a gift in terms of recovery time sure uh, i was just going to say what what do you attribute your expeditious uh, recovery time to you mentioned youth or whether or it sounds youth, like youth and stubbornness uh-huh. Stubborn. I, just, I just convinced myself that i was good to go and so i was yeah which I don't recommend, that's probably not the smart way to do it, but I was also bored out of my mind. And right. so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going out. And I definitely like, I definitely like, you know, first ride on dirt, it was just a dirt road or whatever. And it was, you know, super mellow, but I definitely like took big steps in terms of return to activity you know, they might, maybe they were probably all like the same steps you would normally take, but I just took them quickly and like maybe skipped a few. So, and, and when you say you, um, you skipped a few or, or took them quickly, maybe you can elaborate or clarify what you mean. Well, I mean, just like, 
you know, they suggest like, they were like, okay, you know, around three, four months, you're probably okay to like maybe get out on, on a road bike. And I was like, okay, I got out on a road bike. Let's go mountain biking. Like I, I rode bike like twice and I was like, cool, we're good to go. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, okay, you probably shouldn't ride on single track until, you know, maybe five, six months. And even then it should be, you know, very mellow. And I was like, okay, I rode on a dirt road once. Let's, okay, I'm ready for single track. Like, and definitely like I wasn't, I definitely managed risk. Like I definitely didn't want to dislocate again. I definitely didn't do anything at my sort of technical limits uh, during that time. But I also didn't, you know, I didn't restrict myself to things that I were let, I thought were, you know, boring, right? Like I, I, um, I kept it safe, but like, I also kept it interesting and I tried to find the balance between, you know, so like I rode, you know, more slowly than I usually would. Um, and I rode on trails that were definitely smoother. Um, but like, I also, um, I also rode somewhat frequently and I also, you know, started riding a little earlier than uh, my surgeon wanted me to. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, would you say that was just, you mentioned sort of like stubbornness or in, impatience or like, yeah. Um, you know, like, yeah. Why, why were you doing that? I guess. Yeah. I mean, just like, I was bored and I do not like being bored. So, I, so I was like, uh, you know, like I, I'd, I'd watched all the TV I wanted to watch and I was like, come on, I want to go outside. Yeah. What would you say that's one of the, <coughs> excuse me, harder things to manage about a long-term injury is just the boredom or yeah. the monotony of not being able to do things you want to be able to do. Yeah. I mean, totally. And you know, I was working at the time at a bike shop and just like, even just working, you know, you like, you spend all day on your feet and you're just like, oh God, this is kind of like, uh, you know, it's just like, every, I mean, everything is just harder when you're injured, as I'm sure yeah. you remember. And it's, the sooner you can like start telling yourself I'm no longer injured, that feels better, even if right. it's not the right thing to do right like so when you sort of feel or when you're telling yourself okay i'm sort of more of an active person i guess rather than uh thinking of yourself as as an injured individual that that shift or that kind of switch in thinking is helpful in some way yeah i mean i definitely think it can be helpful but it can probably also be dangerous yeah um so again, it's like riding that line of when to start thinking, oh yeah, I can take a bike down from the, you know, the hanging rack. Like, okay, if I do it, you know, like this, as opposed to like this, I'm okay to do it, right? But I can do it. So that's like good. That's a, you know, that's a victory. Yeah. Uh, and like coming out of the sling, like I came out of, like I, they, the, the surgeon wanted me in the sling every day for three weeks. And by, you know, two weeks, I was like, okay, I'm sitting around the house. I don't need to be in the sling. Like the sling is hot. Uh, 
right? Like I feel like I feel good and I can kind of keep it in the neutral position that they want it in without the sling, you know, with some pillows or whatever. And so just feeling like you don't need to be confined by like the sling anymore, that like that feels good. And so it's like trying to find those like little victories definitely helps. Yeah. But again, when you say little victories, you mean like when you're able to achieve a certain progression that that yeah exactly that's helpful helpful in what way or how um i mean it just makes you feel like you're uh having progress right like sure it makes you feel like you're not stuck right like i mean comparing to the, the whole coronavirus thing it's like nothing is improving or changing really at each day right it feels like okay there's the same number of new cases there's the same same number of deaths each day and it's like so you just you feel very trapped in this like cyclic nature whereas uh you know with an injury you can like feel your pain decreasing and so you're like there's just there's a there's like forward progress and that like that feels good yeah so you know if you're kind of goal directed or you like to be active and busy that whole experience of progress is yeah, exactly. uh, i guess not surprisingly it feels good. It sounds like it has motivational benefits or properties to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What maybe on that note, you can talk a little bit about the relevance of motivation in your injury recovery or uh, yeah, maybe just broadly speaking in terms of motivation and injury recovery. I mean, definitely the, you know, I know there's like a lot of people who, sort of emphasize like, oh, you know, you should enjoy the journey and not just be focused on the destination. But I feel like with injury, like that, I mean, the, the, desti the destination as in like recover, like being recovered, I mean, that is such a huge motivation, right? And yeah. so maybe that influences how you take that journey, right? So you're doing your PT very rigorously or, um, you know, or maybe you're, really waiting to the doctor recommendation to be returned to activity or whatever. Um, and so maybe, but it really is, I mean, it feels, it's an incredibly goal oriented process, I think, just because, I mean, you want to be back to normal, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So sort of, it, you know, <coughs> to your point about, it's the sort of destination the journey, not the destination. In this case, having a sense of that destination about being able to return to something you want to do or enjoy mm -hmm. or are competitive about, that that's important in maintaining or sustaining the motivation over time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I can't imagine having an injury where there is no coming back. Yeah. Like, I mean, I of course know they exist, but I feel like, in that instance, you have to sort of change your motivation to how can I come back in some fashion, right? Like, right, as opposed right. to, I mean, my injuries comparatively are relatively like minor. I mean, they're not life changing or whatever. Um, so it's like, I want to come back as it was, but definitely like looking at the, I, you know, like, I just want, like, I want to be able to do the things I want to do, right? And so, you know, finding a way to achieve that is, I think, super important. Yeah, sure, sure. 
Um, and in terms of uh, the support that one needs or benefits from, maybe you can speak to the types of support that were helpful in your recovery. I mean, you alluded to the fact that your your dad's a sport medicine physician and sounds like he was giving you information or was involved to a certain extent in your recovery. Yeah. Um, were there specific things that were helpful in terms of the support you got? I mean, definitely, I, I think I had an incredible sort of network and like the team of people who helped me recover was fantastic. Uh, and I'm very, like, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but also sometimes it was frustrating hearing your dad, who's also a doc, say, you really shouldn't do that when I was like, I really want to do that. And so there was this, it definitely brought, it definitely made it a little more constant. Like there were more reminders that like, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, you need to play it safe. Um, than I maybe would have liked, but they were probably all good for me. <laughs> right, right. So, and again, um, would you say that that's kind of one of the difficulties is just holding yourself back from something you want to do or feel like you're, you're yeah. ready enough to do? Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's, I'm not the most patient person by any stretch of the imagination, but even a very patient person, I feel like, you know, you go on, you know, a few months of not doing your, you know, your sort of fun activity, right? Right, right. And you're like, I just, I just, you know, I'm so ready to be back to normal. And yeah. your, your mind's, your, the way your mind it sort of far exceeds the speed in which you're like, so your body lags way behind in terms of being ready to, for activity, right? Mm -hmm. But your mind is like telling you, go, 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 go. And you're like, but your body's like, but no. And then your mind is like, but mind over matter, dog. And you're like, okay. Yeah. And so there's this sort of internal power struggle for sure, where you have to like use this sort of super rational part of the brain to like tell yourself, no, I'm not going to do this because if I don't do it now, it'll be better later. Yeah. But everything else, you know, you're, you know, the rest of your subconscious is just like, but I'm so bored. Please let me go do something. Yeah. And and it sounds like there were times where you made decisions to engage in certain activities, right? And you said yeah. that was that sort of a risk reward calculation? Yeah, I, I mean absolutely. Yeah. Um and I guess my calculations were good because I didn't re-injure it. Um until later. <laughs> um, so what happened? When I re-injured it? Yeah. So almost a year exactly after I originally dislocated it, I had made, uh, I would say like, you know, as full of recovery as one could expect. I had not gotten injured in the interim. Um, I was cat skiing with my family and there was a beautiful, 25, 30 foot cornice that I wanted to huck, which is, you know, within my ability to land, right? Like it was not, you know, not, it was on the edge. It's, you know, definitely near up near the upper level of my abilities, but it's not like, you know, something that's like really pushing my boundaries. Um, 
and I sort of debated several lines off the cornice and I decided that the best line would be a little bit cross fall line because um, generally this that makes it a little easier to land and there was a small maybe five foot tree coming out through the snow I mean mm -hmm. five feet above the snow I'm sure this the tree is like 20 feet tall um, and my plan was to hit a cross fall line land just above you know like above vertically above the tree but like you know there was I mean 20 feet or more between me and the tree where I landed and then to like make an arcing turn around the tree and ski out um and I thought you know because I did the risk reward calculation I was like well even if I eat it I'm going to have, you know, momentum that's going to carry me past this tree, right? And so there's deep snow, like this should be fine even if I crash. And so I hit it and I took none of that forward momentum with me. I went straight down. I, um, when I hit the tree, I was in the middle of my second of three tomahawks. It was uh, fully inverted. So heels overhead, uh, facing backwards up the hill. And I hit the tree with the back of my shoulder and my arm and that ripped my shoulder out. And again, at first I felt more, you know, sort of in like the, my triceps region. Um, and everyone's like hollering at me, like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Cause it's like not, it was not a good place to stop, you know? And so I, I put my pole on my, on the top sheet of my ski and like use that to keep my arm 90 degrees. And I skied down um, because it was not a good place to stop. And so, yeah. you, you know, so I so made it to the bottom and there was another doc in the cat at that time who got down before my dad, right? And by the time I was down to the bottom, I knew it was out. Like I knew the shoulder was out. Um, and so he gets to the bottom, this doc gets to the bottom. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, are my shoulders dislocated? I'm not okay. Put it back in, please. And he's like, do you want me to put it back in? And I'm like, yes, put it back in. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you've experienced this with your shoulder dislocations, but I started, you know, like I had goggles and helmet on, of course. And I started to get, you know, really like tunnel vision, sort of nauseated, claustrophobic. And I'm like, you know, trying to get my goggles off, but I only have one hand. And so I'm like, trying to rip my goggles and helmet off and this doc's like now shout out to him he did a great job putting it back in like he's, he's a good doc but um he he kept asking me like should I wait for your dad to put it back in I'm like no just put it back in <laughs> like and so finally he put it back in and luckily you know it was only out for maybe five or ten minutes this time as opposed to like an hour um and it was the same arm, right? It was the same arm. And the the current theory is not that this was a repeat dislocation in that because I had dislocated it before, I was more likely to dislocate it now. Yeah. Uh, the, the thinking is that this was enough of an impact to take anyone's shoulder out. Um, and that if it weren't for the repair, it may have been much worse. Right, so, right. Yeah. Um, so like just a separate, 
instance altogether, even though it happened to be on the same shoulder that, yeah, you know, like it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't strong or, or wasn't sort of a function of the effectiveness of the recovery or the yeah. work that had been done prior. And I, yeah, I had been diligent. I had been doing my, you know, I've been doing my PT for, you know, 10 months now. Yeah. And I, I was good, even though I was like at school and I'm super busy with school. I would, you know, every time I got back to my room, I had TheraBand and I'd, you know, be pulling. And so I, like I was doing really well with the recovery. And so I was actually on spring break. I'd come home for spring break. We did the cat skiing, redislocate my shoulder. And, you know, we talked to the surgeon again. He's like, you know, this, this looks worse. You know, this is going to increase the, you know, like if there was a 90% chance that you'd have repeat dislocations before, I mean, the chances are even higher now. Um, because not only had I, you know, messed up the shoulder again, I'd also sort of destroyed the repair. Um, and so they did a more involved surgery the second time. Although I don't remember exactly what that entailed. Um, but I know that it involved four holes instead of three. Uh, and I think they... I think they maybe grafted some like tendon or ligament to like put in the front and like help pull it in, or maybe in the back and they like tight. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. remember exactly. Um, but that I got that surgery two weeks after the injury. And so I went back to school for like four days to start my third term after spring break. Um, I left school for a weekend, got my shoulder repaired and flew back. Um, and then I was at school for the whole time, again, with my right arm in a sling and just like, I mean, I was, I definitely struggled um, with my E&M lab because they, you know, it's just, there's a lot of like two-handed tasks in there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so just due to the sort of the nature of the work I was doing and the fact that I needed to be like typing a, lo a lot of the time and writing a lot of the time, I... I wore the sling for maybe two weeks diligently. And then like I wore it for like activity. So I play ping pong when I'm at school because um, there's a table tennis club and we just have a good time. Yeah. And so I wanted to participate. So I taught myself to play left-handed. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, so what went through your mind when, when it happened again and you found out you needed to have, an operation this time even more invasive um i mean mostly like i mean at this point i was like yeah let's do the surgery it went well last time let's do it again it, it would kind of seem like less of a big deal the second uh -huh. time uh-huh um because it went so well the first time and also i was like well at least i'm at school and not you know at home where i really want to be biking and skiing and whatnot yeah um, has it modified your activities since um not too much i definitely am careful with it and anytime i take a fall i like check i'm like okay okay we're good it's still in right um and then i you know i picked up disc golf recently and so you're you know, whipping your arm around real fast 
uh, and I started to get some like lat tricep sort of shoulder pain just from overuse and I got kind of paranoid because just like there's this psyche of like uh, I have a bum shoulder and like I you know I messed up my shoulder again and blah 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 and I mean it's fine like it I just needed some time off and like yeah make it easy but um it definitely like definitely like messes with your mind a little bit because mm. it's just yeah are, are there things that in in terms of your communication that have been helpful either with um the physiotherapist or sport medicine practitioners i mean just like being able to being able to like actually go to physical therapy and see exercises and like I've had some dry needling done which makes it feel better for a while um you know it definitely like it helps a lot and it um it also is this very concrete sense of progress right like when you get a new exercise right it's like yeah like I wasn't ready for this exercise before but now I am and so that's like like I was saying, it's like a, it's like a small victory, but it's like this very concrete, like I am getting better because I can do this. All right. So again, just being able to see the progress that things you couldn't do previously, but can do is, is beneficial. It sounds like in terms of your mindset or yeah, your recovery. Um, are there any, have there been any benefits to these injuries? maybe gotten a little more patient as a person. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, oh God. Uh, seeing the benefit. That's it. It can be hard. I definitely, it has definitely like motivated me to strengthen my upper body more. I mean, as a cyclist and skier, I was sort of disproportionate. I have chunky lower legs super strong lower body, but my, you know, my arms were kind of stick, stick like, um, and so, you know, the, um, it's definitely like given me more motivation to like, you know, when I go to the gym, I, I try and do arms and, you know, upper body, chest, back, at least, you know, once a week or so. Right. So sort of engaging in more injury prevention uh measures is right side yeah i mean i just figure if i have like a ton of muscle there to protect it it's going to be better yeah like in the event of an injury yeah sure um if you could share one piece of advice with someone going through either shoulder operation or maybe just a long-term recovery what would it be um do the, do the exercises like assigned by PT or mm-hmm. if you're not currently in PT, if it's like muscular skeletal, something like that, definitely PT is helpful. Um, and it makes, I mean, it makes a world of difference. And, and again, it's like, you might, it also provides things that you can do as opposed to you know, if you're maybe looking through your typical bank of activities, you might be like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can sort of do that. I can't do that. 
I can do that, but I don't actually like that one that much. So, eh. Eh. whereas PT, it's all about, you can do this, you can do this. Let's see if you can do this. And so it's, I think there's a bit of a, there's like a positivity there that's helpful. And it's like, uh, it's also like, you know, it really like, you can almost feel it healing as you do it. You can feel it getting stronger. Right. And the second time around, I was less good with my PT because so for most of the time where they didn't really want you doing much in the way of exercise, I was at school. And then at the end of that, like at the end of that period, I had a few weeks left of school, but it was like finals period. I was super busy. So I like got around to it a little bit, but not, not as much as I should have. And then I went to Europe with a friend, uh, both to travel and to study in Cambridge and just being abroad. I just did not do my PT. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you're and traveling, it, and sort of out of your routine, you're sort of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so because of that, I did my PT less, and I definitely noticed that six months out from each surgery, the first time I was doing better because I did my PT more. Yeah, yeah. So just, again, encouragement to engage in the exercises and, and mm -hmm. um, you know, and also sort of that mindset of, being directed towards what you can do helps mitigate frustration with the focus right. on the especially things especially things you can do that aren't like a restriction on what you would normally do right so i i found like the suggestion well you can get on the bike trainer to be like really uh, sort of infuriating because it's like you know 75 degrees outside and i'm on a bike trainer in my basement yeah, yeah. that I mean, that's kind of, that's like demoralizing. Whereas if you sort of look at things you wouldn't normally do, but you can do and maybe have more time to do because you're not, you know, maybe your training plan, you, you're just supposed to be like, you know, on your bike three hours a day. And that, you know, that takes a big chunk out of your day. Right. But maybe, you know, trying to use those three hours to like go on a hike or something that you wouldn't normally do, but yeah. can, can be fun um, and can be within your, abilities right right yeah so again to the point about benefits just exploring maybe injury gives you the chance to explore other interests mm -hmm. or endeavors um, yeah for sure yeah thanks dylan for sharing all of your uh, experiences and um yeah and and your stories and and um yeah i think there's definitely a value in, in hearing about all the things that you've gone through that that I'm sure other athletes uh, it may resonate with other athletes so thanks so much for, for speaking with me of course yeah My pleasure thank you